Miracy. I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Baking It. I run a business called Soul Forge Coaching, and I equip entrepreneurs to become crystal expansive and connect with spiritual allies who can assist them in their life purpose. When I was growing up, I, I don't remember what I wanted to be, probably a ballerina or a mermaid or, or something like that, but I was always heavily imaginative and always playing the fairy or the witch or some kind of magical being like that. As I got a little older, I thought I might be a professor or a, a minister, and both of which I dabbled in in my life. But coming back to that magical piece, now I do energy work with entrepreneurs and help them become Christo expansive. And so I feel like I'm drawing on the best of all of those worlds, academia, my ministerial training, and the magical fascination I've always had. My favorite story growing up was Weenie Witch, and it's the story of a fairy girl who is abandoned or lost or something like that at birth. I think she's lost and raised by the evil witches and then discovers that she's really a fairy and re refines her tribe. And so why do I like that story? As an adult, I dislike the stereotype of evil witches, but I like the theme of finding your tribe. I had a message from a new person in my Facebook group recently who said, oh my gosh, I've been looking for my tribe. And then I saw a metaphysical and Christian and it, it all comes together. So that's resonated with a lot of the people who I work with who don't want to give up Jesus again in whatever form that looks like for them, but they desire to be able to go to these places that have seemed forbidden. So maybe that's also part of the Weenie Witch story. She's in this, the forbidden places of witches and fairies and how can we bring that, what has seemed forbidden ethically, into our spiritual journey now? For me, making it means living my sole purpose, doing that with joy, creating the impact and the ripple effect that I feel like I have been called to make, and also growing personally, so never becoming stagnant in that journey. So I know that if I am helping other people expand, I have to be in a constant state of expansion myself, which has the temptation of feeling exhausting. But for those of us who are on a spiritual path, it, it rarely does. So it's always joyous, time-consuming sometimes. Um, but being able to bring others into this joy-filled path is my soul's delight. Making it has definitely changed over time. I really began this journey from a, a very logical place of being in the academic world. So I have my PhD in the New Testament. So I thought for many years from the time I was in my early 20s that I would be a professor. And in some ways, I, my goal was very much the same, to help transform lives, help people understand what they thought the scripture was in a new way. Let it be a book of life rather than the book of death that it so often is and revolutionize that part within them. So in, in some ways, I'm still doing that. But my vision of success back then was finding a tenure track position and entering into that and publishing a lot of academic papers. I felt very called by spirit to abandon that vision. And it was really hard to abandon it because it is so tied to an identity. The academic world is so tied to an identity. It is often, but not always, a very toxic place to be in as well. So giving up that particular dream was challenging and I actually had to grieve it. So it, it required me to reformulate the way I thought about making it. 
And then when I began my business, when I began my entrepreneurial journey, I thought that I would be helping nice Presbyterian ladies understand what a chakra was. And I have done that. And that has been also really wonderful. But Spirit made it very clear very quickly that I was called to go much more expansive and much deeper than that. And I began to see the depth of pain that many Jesus followers were experiencing because of their toxic religious upbringing and that many entrepreneurs were being held back by perceptions about what spirituality and business needed to look like. So breaking those open now is my, my definition of making it, but that certainly has evolved over the years from the box that I thought I would be in and that I was seeing myself in to the lack of any box now. I am always engaged in some kind of learning or experience or exploration that is purely because I want to be there or because I felt called to be there. So a good example is uh, for the past year, I've been in a shamanic training course. This is something I've been interested in for years. I was on the lookout for something, but nothing ever felt quite right. And when the magical Instagram post came across my feed, I thought, oh, that is the one for me. I reached out and, and enrolled. And it's been a, a wonderful year of learning. I had zero concept when I began this training that it would benefit my business at all. But then I found in module one of this program that I've really designed my entire curriculum in a shamanic way. Now, that was very unknowing. I didn't know I was doing that. But this journey has been powerfully healing for myself. And it's something I've had to go through on my own. So even just really recently, I've been exploring my past lives and ancestral healing. And I've come to the awareness that I've lived many lives where I was a healer, where I was a magical practitioner who abused their power. And this life and a few others have been dedicated to drawing from sources that are ethical, drawing from spiritual sources that have integrity. So what I find is that my spiritual journey is usually two or three steps ahead of what I can offer my clients. Of course, I can't offer them anything that I've not yet experienced, but often it will be a year or two or three years later, I'll have had um, a particular spiritual experience and then it starts showing up in my clients. It's like the divine is always preparing me for the people that I am called the most to serve. So there's a direct relationship in any spiritual business. There has to be a direct relationship with the divine, with spirit. And the business will always reflect my energy and my personal path. I think there's this magical place where we're ready to share with others after we've let some spiritual maturity take root, after we've had some practice. But then I see people who also have tremendous gifts and they always think they need another training. <laughs> They need a couple more years of practice. And I think, oh my gosh, the world is not benefiting from your tremendous power and from you as a person with integrity who's ready to offer your healing to the world. So there's also something to be said about letting the seed take root, become embodied within us, and then jump off the high dive and just do it already. The world is a mess. We need more, we need more people. We need more entrepreneurs out there who are bringing their messages and their work of healing and transformation to the world. So at some point, get off the couch and just do it. When I felt the calling to be ordained, I thought, oh, no, this is not a calling that basically anyone wants. It means a lot of time. It means working with people in a very particular way. But if you hear a calling and you think, I don't want to do, that's probably a good sign. Because living into our calling requires depth. It requires dedication. 
it does require some sacrifice of time, of money, of sometimes of relationships. It requires that we abandon an old way of being and that we enter into a new way of being. And that's not easy, but it's ultimately very fulfilling. But it requires constant self-reflection, self-perception. So if you have an uneasiness about your calling in life and think that it may require you to do things you've never done before, then it's a calling. If you are thinking that you might go to Disneyland because it sounds like fun, that's a whim and you can still do it and have fun, but they're going to feel qualitatively quite different. I still do have a deep connection to my particular church, which is a, a very nice church. And I was feeling the absence of not being a pastor anymore, of not being acquainted, so closely connected to my clergy colleagues. And I began a kind of separate branch of my business that was to serve churches, moderate and progressive churches, like churches who are LGBTI affirming and inclusive and anti-racist churches. And that was really fun, but I was essentially trying to run two businesses at the same time, and it was pretty exhausting, and then no one was getting my full attention. The relationship with money for many entrepreneurs, whether they're particularly spiritual entrepreneurs or not, is really challenging. And for spiritual entrepreneurs, I think the challenge with money is about four or five times harder because there is a, a widespread belief that money itself is evil. I dedicated myself to exploring the ways that money could do good in the world because at its heart, money is an energy. Abundance is an energy. And interestingly, traditionally in the ancient world, the temple was also the treasury. And so I wouldn't advocate that for today. There's too much opportunity for abuse of power with that. But the relationship between sacred energy and money and charitable giving and making sure that the sacred workers could live and thrive is very old and very ancient. So occasionally I get people who will tell me, oh, like Jesus didn't charge anything. Probably true. We don't really know, but probably true. But there is this ancient sacred tradition all the way through till now of supporting the person who is the spiritual center of the community or of the tribe. If I was doing this as a side gig and as um, something that was in addition to a 40 hour a week, nine to five, I could only serve one or two people at a time. So it's actually through that sacred exchange of energy through money that I'm able to impact thousands. If I could give advice to my younger self, who was fascinated with mermaids and magic and Jesus and the Bible and all of that all at once, I think it would be to keep the magic alive and to keep exploring it. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at soulforgecoaching.org. You spell soulforge, S-O-U-L-F-O-R-G-E. Making It is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Making It was produced by Cassandra Topperveen and Jeff Govertson. That's me. Cynthia Lamb is a supervising producer, and Danny Eney is our executive producer. To catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, please follow us on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.